among you who are from not what they think, but the synagogue of Satan. And it says in the next verse, you will be cast into prison and be there 10 days, but the devil will imprison you. But then he says, be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. So since in two verses of our text, Jesus himself introduced us to Satan and to the devil, I figured what better time of year than the week before the birth of our Savior being celebrated, that we should talk about the one that that caused the fall, first of all, in the heavenly realm, and then instigated the fall on earth, why we need a Savior. And so that's where we're going to take up this morning. Paul told his protege Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.1 that the Holy Spirit expressly states, though, that in these times that we're in, that some will depart from the faith and give heed to this one that is our adversary and teach and heed what he wants you to have, the Spirit, it says, of doctrines of demons, to depart from the following of the Word of God is his mission. Just as he slightly changed the wording of Thou shalt not surely die. He added one word, not, when God said, In the day you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. So one word turned everything on its heels, and we have to pay attention to that. So as we get ready for this, if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you have them this morning, to Ezekiel chapter 28, that's where we're going to begin at. We're going to talk about this fall that he had, his creation and his fall. He was known as Lucifer. The devil and Satan are actually titles. They are designations for who he is and what he does. Uh, That means our adversary, the one who is actually a prosecuting attorney against us in the courtroom of heaven, is what Satan and the devil means. Lucifer was his name up in the heavenly realm. He was the son of the morning. He was the covering cherub and... His fall caused him to be our adversary. In fact, Jesus described this in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18 when he said, I beheld Satan as he fell like lightning from the heavens. So he had originally a high ranking in the realm of up with God. He was actually, we're going to find out, possibly a musical worship leader and also uh, an army, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought that might, might catch your attention. And he's also a um, kind of a protector as well of the throne room. We're going to find all of this out. So uh, before we uncover this, though, in Ezekiel 28, we're getting into some deep stuff. So let's open with a word of prayer. I want to give you a silent moment, and then I'll kick in. Um, as we prepare our minds and our hearts for one of the most amazing sections of Scripture and one of the only few that actually describes what happened in that time period. So let's pray. Fathers, we humbly bow in your presence. 
can begin to describe this section of scripture that you and your son and your spirit decided to present unto us not only of how evil began but also an example for us to continue to examine our ways as well from our adversary. And Father, we pray that as we open up your word and as it's read and as it's dissected, we pray that you open our minds and our hearts to be able to understand it, Father, to see it for what it is and to make applications to our life as well. And Father, we just thank you because when we read of this, we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for your love, your long-suffering with us, and for your decision to give your only begotten, your uniquely born son, so that he might pay the price that we, the wretched folks that we are, would have our sins washed away and have the opportunity to spend eternal life with you in the paradise of God. That the second death, as it says in Revelations 2 in our story, does not have any effect on us because we're in Christ Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the baby that came who grew into a man and who will one day come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Ezekiel 28. If you're there, we'll begin in verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, And now this king of Tyre, let's open this. Before that, it went to the prince of Tyre. The prince of Tyre was the ruler of that place, and it was a place of demon activity and worship to that sort of thing. And he was probably someone who may have been actually uh, indwelt by Satan himself. And as the word of the prophet is going to tell this ruler of one of the earthly nations, what's going to happen to him. He also then goes in now, in our verses, into an explanation to the one who is behind him, to Satan himself, to say that your fall is going to be just like his. And with that in mind, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king, or Satan, of Tyre. Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection. Full of wisdom and beauty, you were perfect. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond. The beryl, the onyx, and the jasper. The sapphire, the turquoise, and the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels. And your pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. And I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. And you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. Until... Iniquity was found in you. And by the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence. And you have sinned. And therefore, I will cast thee as profane out from the mountain of God. 
I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire, because your heart was lifted up because of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground, and I laid you before kings, that they might gaze upon you. Wow. That's heavy. That's Uncovering this is going to be like eating an elephant. You know how you do that? One bite at a time. So let's start one verse at a time. Let's, let's go back here. Let's grab our proverbial knife and our fork and start going on this. Tyre was an idolatrous city, like we said. I mean, it, it was a wicked city. And the ruler there um, was probably indwelt at times by Satan himself. He was one of the devil's VIPs. It was later conquered by Alexander the Great, but until then it was a haven for demon worship. And that's the basis of this, that like we said, God is giving it first to the one who is, and then using the analogy of the one who is behind him. And in verse 12 it says, Thus saith the Lord God. So this is the word of God. This is not some man's saying about what happened with the devil. This is actually the Lord, who was the only eyewitness to what took place, is now giving it through his prophet to us to know exactly what happened. And he said, you were the seal of perfection. You, when I created you, you were perfect in all of your ways. I want you to notice that it says, when you were created. Satan is the most beautiful, powerful, knowledgeable creature that ever came from the hand of God. But he is not a deity. He is not a God. He is a created being just like you and us with just a little more power and a little more oomph in everything than what we are. But he in no way comes near to the power and the glory of God himself. He is a created being. And he is brilliant. Whenever it says there that you were the model of perfection in the NLT and full of wisdom and exquisite beauty. Anytime the word wisdom is used, wisdom in Proverbs is explained to be once you gain knowledge of the word of God, then wisdom steps upon that on your application of what you know and how you use it. So wisdom is not only knowledge, but the ability to use it and to distribute it and to be good at it. So he said, you were full of wisdom. So in other words, he knew the scriptures front and back. He knew the will of God and the word of God that was given to angels from front to back. He was the person that was created in the heavenly realm for that. And so his brilliance absolutely trounces us. We are nowhere in comparison. So I ask you, do not ever play Bible Jeopardy with him. Don't try to get into that. Eve did and look what happened. The Lord did and he had to turn him on his heels. He tried twice to to trip up our Lord and Savior there whenever the temptations in the wilderness happened. He uses doctrine and changes things to confuse us, to lead us astray. So we got to stick with the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says this for each one of us. When we think that we begin to gain a little knowledge. Therefore, let him who stands take heed. 
lest you also fall as well. So all the time we have to be equipped with not only the word of God, but the entire armor of God as we walk throughout this world and face this adversary, lest we also might fall. Next, wisdom gives us a peek into the mind and into the inside of this created being that we are up against, our adversary. It starts to give us his mindset of what was in in the inside. His exterior, we're going to find out, was beautiful above compare. But so was his interior. He is a genius. So in a minute, we're going to go to Isaiah 14, if you want to keep that in mind. That'll be the only other place we go to today. We're in Ezekiel 28 now. But he will say five times there, I will. So he... I is your self-consciousness. It's you know who you are when you see yourself in the mirror. When your name is called, you have a consciousness of who you are. He knew who he was. He knew he was the most beautiful creature from the hand of God. And then the will is your thought process on how you think and what you do and how you approach who you are. And he's going to say five times, I will do something. And that is his downfall. So, he has emotions. He has frame of reference. We're going to find out he knew about his beauty. He became prideful. He had these emotions like we had. He had in his mind from being perfect in wisdom, he had perfect knowledge of the ruler or the standard of God as to what is right and what is wrong. And he knew all of that before he became the prince of this earth. Verse 13, if you're there. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee the day thou wast created." He was in the garden of God. This is not Eden, Genesis chapter 3. This is the earlier one. Things here on this earth are a representation of things that have been in heaven. He was decked out beyond belief. All of these stones and diamonds and things come from carbon-created things, from heat. And they have the ability to reflect light. Angels seem to be, from everything in the scriptures that we know, beings of light. When they come, there's bright lights. When they saw him at the resurrection, he was dressed in white like a bright light. Angels are beings of light. And his covering was all of these precious jewels. And so it was like a lighthouse. The lights of a lighthouse shining through all of these jewels. And it, it was just a disco ball beyond display. He was beautiful. This is who he was. Also, in this worship that he seems to be the leader of, all of those stones, guess what else they represent? It's what the high priest had on his breastplate that he had that represented the 12 tribes. So these stones were upon him as well as this leader. That was his exterior in the garden of God. Now, it continues on. It says that he had all of these things. And it says, and also your tabrets. 
that word, when you go through what it means and where it's been used, was always used as a form of a uh, tambourine. It's, it was the same word when Miriam, when they crossed over and the horses of the Egyptians all drowned and they played the song and she had the tabrets out there and they sang the new song. So some form of his body made of gold seems to be these tabrets as well when he would walk around and move and do what he was supposed to do. And being the most beautiful, the wisest, the most powerful created being And we're going to find out in a moment that he had a high rank as well. You put all of that together. But if he talked like this, it wouldn't be very intimidating, would he? So the next thing that it says is that that not only your tabrets, but your pipes. Now there's a little bit of confusion on this pipes here and this word that's used. It's the only time that it's used in the Bible. So they try to come up with other things. Some thinks it's all of these jewels that when it talks about and with gold, tabrets, and pipes, that these pipes might mean the settings that the jewels are laid in. But a lot of those who are really deep in the language say that it refers to his voice. Whenever somebody who is amazing sings, says like these folks here, they got a set of pipes on them, don't we? Whenever you hear someone really belt out something, you say, man, that's a set of pipes. Those huge organs that are in the big places of worship, what do they call them? Pipe organs. Because the pipes and the sound that come from that. So this created being was not only beautiful, but he also had the voice of power as well. And when he belted it out, and it seems that he might have been the musical worship leader up in heaven as well. And uh, I want you to take notice though, of the last three words in verse 13. The day you were created. The devil is a created being. He's not deity as we said. I want to keep hounding upon this fact. Because people. He is worshipped by some. There is a church of Satan. They are actually trying to get into our school systems. They're saying that if you allow weekday religious ed in there, then you have to also allow us because otherwise you are discriminating. It is going in to some of the schools. So we here at Perrigan need to watch over our kids in this way and be active on that as well. But he is always out as our adversary to come like that. He is not to be worshipped though. He is a created being. He was created by the hand of God. A lot of times we say that the devil caused me to do this or the devil is after me. But you know what? If we take that rationally, if he's a created being, he can what? Only be in one place at one time, can't he? God is omnipresent and he can be everywhere all the time. But created beings can only be in one place at one time. Not to say that he doesn't have millions to billions of his demonic followers that fell with him. And also have this kind of warp speed and this kind of knowledge. But the devil goes after the big fish. And so we probably aren't personally attacked by him. Except on a rare occasion. Most of the time it's his minions and our flesh. That's from the inside of us. When it tries to come out and make itself known. So verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers. 
I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God and you walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. The anointed cherub. What does that mean? Well, it could be that he was anointed just like the high priest with all of those stones that he has on to be the, the leader in this worship, walking back and forth among the stones of fire. It could be that. Another thing, though, is that he could also represent that he is the one who also in the heavenly realm protected the throne of the anointed Messiah as well. Because when it says that you are the anointed cherub who covers, the word for covers there is a word for protection. In Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2, when Satan himself was wanting to go after him, God said, well, look, consider my servant Job. The devil himself said, but you have placed a hedge around about him and I can't get to him. That word for hedge is the word for covers here. So he was the one who was the hedge as well. He was anointed into the fact that he was also the hedge. He was like one of the guardian angels. He was one of the archangel type beings as well up in that heavenly realm. Some folks say that it was of Christ. I don't know. But I'm just telling you that it seems that he was of that fashion and who he was guarding and what. But it says that you are the cherub who covers us. The same word is also used for the wings on the ark of the tabernacle and the the wings of the cherubs, which he is the cherub that covers, the wings of the cherubs cover the ark as well in the, in the uh, temple and the tabernacle. So that's the word that's used here. He is like that. He is the one who covers the holy place and the ark of the covenant. So he was that up in the third heavens. Now a little bit about angels. We won't go deep because we'll do a study on angels soon. But there are different ranks. Until this time we don't know if seraphims existed or not. But there are seraphims, cherubims, and rank and file angels Cherubs have four wings. It could be the fact, some of the scholars think, that seraphs, which is in Isaiah chapter 6 with the six wings, that they are ones who were outstanding in the battle in the heavenly realm when Satan was cast out, and so they were promoted. And it seems that wings are a basis of promotion like rank and file of stripes upon enlisted men today. Is, is what the thing is. But he was a cherub. He had four wings and he was of a higher rank than all of the other ones at this time. Then we read in verse 15. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. So God didn't create him as evil, did he? He was perfect in his ways and he was perfect in his wisdom. So God didn't create him as an evil being, but he created him with choice. Because it says, from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. Satan, as a created being here, the Spirit emphasizes that. And that the iniquity was found within him through his thought processes. You know how we always teach that you are what you think, Proverbs says? It starts on the inside of who you are. And that's where it started with Satan on his... His character traits lined up perfectly with God and with God's will at first when he was created. His service 
was perfect in that way as well. But his free will began to take a hold of him and to lead him astray. His mentality began to change. And then his emotions began to change. His thoughts and standards of right and wrong got corrupted because of his emotions, which overruled his knowledge and knowing what he should have done. Look at verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, that has filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast now sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. The multitude of your merchandise. What does that mean? That means all of the gifts and the traits that God had given him. The multitude of your merchandise was your beauty, your wisdom, the stones that I covered you with, the position of power that I gave you, the focal point of your tabrets and pipes and everything about you. That was the merchandise, that was the gifts of God to this created being. And he says that, the multitude of your merchandise, the amount of the gifts that I have given to you began to fill your heart and your mind with iniquity. It began to change the way you think and what you had. It all started right there. And he says because of that, you began to act upon it. And when you began to act upon it, then he says thou hast sinned. And I will cast thee as profane, and that is one who is polluted, one who is unclean and not able to be used in the holy worship of God. You remember you have clean things and you have unclean things. The things that were in the tabernacle and the temple, the things that were used in the worship to God and the sacrifices to God are clean things. Unclean things could not be used in that. And he says, you have become unclean. I will then destroy you from the mountain of God, O covering cherub, and cast you out from the midst of the stones of fire. We saw that again in a minute ago in verse 14 when he walked in and through these stones of fire. In other words, he, as he led things and as he did things, would walk about. And the stones of fire could represent angels. It can also represent the buildings uh, of whatever tabernacle or temple is there. Because whenever you look at the end of Revelation and it talks about the gates and it talks about the walls and the different things that's going to be built around the city, these are used as well. But either way, he was the one who walked in and among those things and he could see his reflection and he could see the... Worship that was going up to God the Father that he was a part of. And it began to go to his head. You have now profaned my word, my will, the intention for which I created you for. And I cast you out because remember God says that he cannot live and dwell with sin. So he removes him. He doesn't tolerate that. And that's something to mark for our lives We are going to sin. We are going to fall. We have something that covers us, the blood of Christ. But the whole point in the matter is, is your mindset. Is my mind 
consecrated toward God and as I fall, I ask for forgiveness and I am forgiven? Or is my mind in such a way as Satan's that I just want to do what I want to do? I don't care what God said to do. That's the difference between the grace and the continuing cleansing of the blood of Christ. Rebellion is not tolerated. Forgiveness and prayer and a penitent heart is. And that's why David, through all of the things that had happened to him, he was called the one who was after God's own heart because he was always penitent. And at the first mention of you did wrong, he was on his knees. That's the attitude that God seeks and his blood covers all of those things. But Satan didn't do that. His heart was to rebel against God. Look at verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom. That's the knowledge of the right and wrong from God's will and God's word. You allowed your wisdom and your thinking process to be corrupted because of your beauty and your brightness. And therefore I had to cast thee to the ground and I laid you before all to see who and what you were. Pride, his mentality began to go against him and he was going to be lifted up. You've corrupted your wisdom by other things. So when things influence our thought processes against the knowledge of right and wrong is what led to his fall. And it can lead to us as well. So that's an application to our life. Now, he knew how he was supposed to behave, but now this word for corrupted is a rottenness. It's like a meat that begins to spoil and it keeps going. And it went all the way to the core. He wanted the worship to be about him and not towards God. He wanted to usurp that authority of God and to be like God. And now to find out the other message behind all of this in Ezekiel 28. Go to Isaiah 14 with me if you would. Isaiah 14 is kind of the biblical commentary from the Spirit. Telling us about this fall of Satan. And letting the merchandise of his being and his gifts lead him into this mental fall. And into the complete fall that he had. So... Starting in Isaiah 14, if you're there, in verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. So Lucifer is the name that was given to him. In the Hebrew, that is Haleo, which means the bright and shining one. And that's why he is the son of the morning. And he is a brilliance of light that shone, like I said, through all of those gemstones. So he was a light bearer and a beautiful creature. Now notice how pride began to take over his mentality and it corrupted his wisdom, as we saw in Ezekiel. The negative signals that he put out. He's going to say five times here, I will do something. I will do it. Verse 13, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven I will exalt my throne my position above the stars of God I will also sit on the mount of the congregation he wanted the worship on the farthest sides of the north again he said in his heart over and over we need to remember our thought processes need to be take every thought captive to the Lord and Savior to the word of God 
That's how you overcome. Think on these things, the word tells us, not on the things of the flesh. Satan allowed this thinking to continue to corrupt him, and he said in his heart, I will ascend into the heavenly realm. And then his desire to rule, he said, I will exalt my throne. I didn't know he had a throne. He had a position, but he didn't have a throne. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on top of the mountain. I will be on the top of the ladder. I am the top one. I will position myself. Now verse 14. I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I will. I will. And now he's wanting control over both kinds of creatures. The created. And he wanted control over God. I will ascend my throne above his. And I will be like him. And notice that. He can't be him. But he wants to be like him. He can't be like him. He's a created being. He is not God. But he wants to be like God in all of the worship and all that was going on. I want this to be mine. And so in other words now in modern day times. The Bible says that he is an imitator. That he has his followers. He has his own communion table. He has his own places of worship and ways that he does things. He continues now to try to be like God. But he cannot be like God. He was a murderer and a liar from the beginning, Jesus said. And you know what? He's never faithful or loyal. If you ever turn from God and to serve Him, He will never be loyal to you. You have a God who is faithful to you. He did what He needed to do. We're going to find out the baby sent next week. He, we're going to find out on Easter that He went to the cross for us. It says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 that when I do sin and when I make a step, it says if I confess my fault, He is what? Faithful and just. Exactly right. He is faithful and just. Do you think Satan is ever going to be faithful to you? Let me ask you. His top all-star was Judas Iscariot. Judas handed over Christ to those soldiers didn't he betrayed him with a kiss did he remain faithful and give to him everything that his heart's desire was after that he ended up going out and hanging himself didn't he he is never faithful you'll find in the book of revelation even at the end that he's going to battle against all of those who was in his army with him he cannot be faithful to no one so don't ever cast your lot With the prince of darkness. But he allowed his ego and his lust and his pride to take over and to rule over who he was. And he wanted to ascend to the top. I will be like God. I will. I will. I will. And you know what? When I look at that as an application to my life and to your life and to those who would hear this message. I will is still one of the most atrocious things Before the face of God. In Proverbs when it says the six things. Yea seven that God hates. Pretty much all of them is pride of the eyes. The pride of life. The lying tongue. The things that are of him. But it's those things that produce from what's inside of a man. As Jesus said. Not what's from the outside that goes in corrupts. But what's from the inside and comes out. He said I will do this. And God said no you won't. And he cast him as profane from there. You know, that sets us up for next week. That's why 
Jesus is going to have to come because he not only profaned heaven and drew them, he's doing the same things here. And he went to the garden. He did that in the garden of God in heaven and in the garden of Eden on earth. He did the same thing. And because sin entered in and created a barrier between God and man, Christ Jesus had to come as a man and be offered for that. And that sets us up for next week. So as our worship team comes on back up and we close out, you know what? This was introduced to us from Revelation 2, 9 and 10 because of the synagogue of Satan and the devil is going to cast some of you into prison. That was introduced there, but he also gave us a couple of promises to go along with that introduction and what things might happen to us in our life. And he says, be faithful to me unto death and I will give to you a crown of life. To he who overcomes, the second death has no effect upon them. So we have two promises that are precious from our Savior to those who will overcome. God is loyal. God is faithful and He delivers upon every one of His promises unlike our adversary does. Next week, Emmanuel, God with us. Praise God for His abundant grace of seeing what we were up against and sending someone that would allow us to conquer that. You know, as we continue our worship to God, let it be in spirit and in truth. Jesus told the woman at the well, they that seek to worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. So let's, let's do that with all of our heart as we make our walk through life. And as we assemble together as the family of God. You know, Joshua, when they crossed over and give every man their reported place, he said, just as Satan made a choice, just as Eve made a choice, and Adam made a choice, and just the same, you and I make choices every day, don't we? But Joshua told the folks there, he said, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we're in an angelic conflict and a spiritual battle where us and our house needs to be aligned with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing to us in just portions of two chapters what really happened. So we have a true knowledge of what happened in our adversary. And I pray, Father, that if there is anyone here who has never named your Son and believed in Him as their Savior, and then through faith and believing that He came and that He is the Son of God, and then aligns their life and their steps with you through the waters of baptism, and then can, needs to continue to grow in a grace and knowledge of Jesus, they have not made that commitment. We pray that it is today, Father, don't spend another day on the outside in the kingdom of darkness, but cross over to the kingdom of light. And Father, for the rest of us who have made that first step, and we are growing in that grace and knowledge, Father, we just pray that you give us grace. You give us knowledge, you give us mercy, give us understanding of your word as we move forward and, and strive to serve thee. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.